Today's episode is sponsored by an upcoming movie called If. We don't go to the theater a lot as a family, mostly because it's tough to find a movie we're all going to like, but If is one of those movies. It comes out in theaters May 17th. I saw the trailer the other day, and we ended up watching the trailer multiple times to check out all the different imaginary friends that are in it. Some of them are what you would think an imaginary friend would be like, a nice-looking monster, kind of. But other ones are so random, like this one that's a knight and one's a dragon and one is just a banana. And it gets wilder, too, but I'm not going to spoil it all for you. The movie is about this girl who can see imaginary friends, and she goes on this magical adventure to reconnect forgotten imaginary friends with their kids. I know me and my kids are going to enjoy going to the theater for this one, and the cast has tons of our favorite performers like Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph, Matt Damon, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt. John Krasinski wrote the movie inspired by his own kids' imagination to be funny and exciting for all ages. It looks like a real slam dunk. The movie If releases in theaters May 17th, and we are totally going, so check it out. Welcome to another episode of the Kid Stories Podcast. I'm Phil Bechtel. Today's episode is sponsored by Night Zookeeper. Finding educational games that balance fun and learning is tough. I find that they're either just a game and not educational at all, or they fail to keep kids' attention. Night Zookeeper is a special game that focuses on writing, one of my favorite things. I have watched both my kids play Night Zookeeper, and I was impressed with the production value, how they built an entire story to get the kids started, and I was impressed with how the educational elements are so seamlessly integrated in the activities that the kids do within the app. Night Zookeeper has high replay value, my kids keep asking to play, and I don't mind saying yes. Click the link in the show notes to discover all that Night Zookeeper has to offer. Now on to some shoutouts. Happy birthday to Claire from Wichita, Kansas. Claire, I hope for your birthday you got swords and a bow and arrow and exploding goofballs and a pet rainbow dragon and a new ninja outfit and an upgraded ninja scooter that goes super fast. I'm sure you got all that cool stuff. I think if you were a character in the valley, you would be a wandering witch detective who solves mysteries and locates bad guys. Happy birthday, Claire. And a big shout out to Caleb, who enjoys the stories. Caleb, I think if you were a character in the stories, you'd be a duck. Just a duck. Living on a little pond. Eating whatever ducks eat. Just kidding. You'd be an epic wizard who lives inside a huge mountain and you can turn yourself into a dragon and you rule over this island and keep the region clear of pirates. And also, you can turn into a duck. Thanks for listening, Caleb. Today's episode is titled Lost in the Valley, Part 5. The chase was on now, as the 1,000 pirate clan pursued the heroes across the island and through the ocean. Ben-Ben steered the little boat to the nearest island. They could never outrun the pirates in the little sailboat that the man from Brighton gave them. The best they could hope for was to get this boat to the next island and upgrade to a bigger one. But, as they neared the closest island, they discovered that their chances finding a better boat were slim. The place looks burnt out, Tatiana, 
said Ben-Ben as he managed the sails. What happened? Tatiana and the others stood on the edge of the boat, looking toward the island through their telescopes. What they saw was tragic. This little dock town looked to have been burned to the ground recently. Buildings were smoldering piles of ashen wood and rubble. What few walls still stood had large cannonball holes in them. Thin plumes of smoke rose from where fires had not yet been put out. The streets were filled with debris like broken wood and bricks from destroyed buildings. Some people walked around, slowly moving debris and clearing roads. All the ships at the docks were burned and heavily damaged. The place is in ruins, Tatiana, said Ben-Ben. We can't stop here. We have to, said Tatiana. If we don't stop here, the pirates will be on us in open water. We'll be defenseless. We've got to stop here and see what we can find. They reached the island quickly and rushed inland. The smell of smoke filled the air. The residents they saw were clearly exhausted, and they were dirty from cleaning up rubble and burnt-out buildings. What happened here? Tatiana asked a young girl. The one thousand. We refused to pay them, so, so they destroyed the town. What are you doing here? the girl asked. It made no sense to this villager that people would stop here at this burnt-out harbor town. We're running from the one thousand, said Tatiana. They chased us through Brighton. They don't know we're here, but they'll figure it out soon. What will you do? June asked the little girl. Will you move? June had never seen such destruction. An entire town burned to the ground simply because they wouldn't pay the pirates? The one thousand were an evil June had never known. She turned and looked back across the sea toward Brighton, now realizing what incredible danger pursued them. Move where? answered the girl. And how? All the boats are destroyed, and if we did try and move, the pirates would just catch us on the water before we made it to a safe place. I, I don't know. Right now we just need to clean up and rebuild. June took a few steps down the street and saw the immediate challenges the residents faced in rebuilding. The debris from the demolished town littered the streets and prevented them from getting around. Before they could rebuild, they needed to clear away all the wreckage, and it was proving quite difficult. June held her hands out in front of her. She spread her fingers wide and magical power surged through her body, down her arms and out her palms. She used her powers to move huge chunks of charred wood and scrap metal. She moved heavy stones and piles of bricks out of the street and into one central pile. And she did it all with a flick of her wrist. The others looked on in amazement. They had seen her powers before, but here they saw it up close, as she moved thousands of pounds of material without breaking a sweat. The villager gasped. Oh my gosh, thank you. This is amazing. More and more villagers stopped working and looked on as June cleared the streets to make way for them to build again. June completed in five minutes what would have taken the villagers five days to finish. Wow. Great work, June, said Tatiana. But there's about 1,000 pirates out there, and they're coming for us. We don't have time to help these people rebuild. We need to get to Elmwood, remember? But we can't just leave the place like this, said June. This is awful. 
It's going to take these people so long to rebuild, and then, if they don't have the pirates' money, then they'll just level the place again. And how long before it becomes the 2000 Pirate Clan, and they expand all the way up to Elmwood, and... Okay, okay, said Tatiana. She pinched the bridge of her nose like people do when they've run out of patience and are trying to calm themselves down. Okay, I promise that after we get you back home, I will see to it that the 1,000 are completely dismantled to make the seas safe again. And the town of, of whatever this town is, is, is rebuilt. Okay, does that work? June considered their options and realized that this was probably the best they could do. And this meant that the sooner they got June home, the sooner Tatiana or whoever could return here to fix things. June nodded. Okay. She turned to the girl they were chatting with before. Would there happen to be any surviving boats on this island we could have? The girl thought for a moment. She had just heard Tatiana promise June that they would find a way to get rid of the 1,000, and so she thought it would be a good idea to try and help them. I think so, maybe. She turned to the small crowd that had gathered to watch June's magic. Hey, Duker, you still got that hidden boat? An old man with big reading glasses and overalls stepped forward. Sure do. Still got it. Probably the only thing the pirates didn't burn down. You gotta give it to these people here so they can get this girl home so then the other ones can come back and get rid of the 1,000 said the girl. The old man walked forward and looked over June and the ninjas with his hands on his hips. Okay, he said. Follow me. The old man led them through the town to a side of the island where the palm trees leaned out over the water. Beneath the palm trees, a boat floated in the water. It was painted in camouflage and was neatly hidden by the leaning palm trees. She's fast, said the man. Try and bring her back in one piece. Thanks, said Tatiana. We'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. The man nodded and the ninjas boarded the boat. It was sleek and big enough to hold all the heroes. They floated out from under the leaning palm trees and set sail on the open ocean once again. The boat cut through the water like a knife. The heroes looked behind them through their telescopes and saw tiny specks in the distance. The pirates were still chasing them, but the ninja's new ship was faster, and they slowly pulled away. For days they sailed with no sight of the pirates behind them. They found comfort in knowing that this boat could outrun the 1,000, but they knew the threat of pirates was always there. The 1,000 would not stop following them, and eventually the heroes would have to face the awful bad guys. Finally, they reached the island where Elmwood was located. Ben-Ben and Stella were amazed at the sight of the island. When they last left this place, it was being attacked by the Gloop army, and it was practically in ruins. And in the few years they'd been gone, everything had been built back. Ben-Ben and Stella led the heroes through the harbor town and out to the road toward Elmwood. They talked endlessly about how some things were the same and some things had changed. In Elmwood, Ben-Ben and Stella were instantly recognized, and a small group of townspeople quickly formed to give hugs and ask about how they'd been doing. The townspeople decided to have a feast to celebrate the return of Ben-Ben and Stella. The night was filled with delicious food and many stories, as the two caught up with the friends they hadn't seen for so long. 
Rye wandered the food hall, getting pets and table scraps from everyone there. At dinner, June asked one of the residents about the soothsayer. So, does, does the soothsayer live around here? I, is it far? Have you seen her? The soothsayer? said the resident with a confused look on her face. Why would you want to know about her? Well, we need to get to her. That's, that's why we're here, said June. The girl that June was talking to stood up and turned to Ben-Ben and Stella, who were locked in conversation with someone else across the room. The soothsayer, said the girl, loud enough for everyone to hear. You're going to the soothsayer? The entire place went quiet, and the residents of Elmwood all looked at Ben-Ben and Stella, waiting for a response. Ben-Ben began. Yes, we're going to the soothsayer first thing tomorrow, he said. It's a long story, but our friend needs to find Home River, and that's the only way. The room erupted in protest, everyone imploring Ben-Ben and Stella to stay away from the soothsayer. She's so dangerous, they said. It's not worth it, they said. She'll trick you, they said. You know better, they said. Quiet, yelled Stella, silencing the crowd. We've already thought through the options. We have sailed for weeks to be here right now. I know what it's like to be lost in a strange land. I know what it's like to be separated from your loved ones, and I wouldn't wish it on another. We're going to the soothsayer, and that's final. The dinner guests all quieted, and things eventually got back to normal there in the food hall. June was now more worried than ever. This entire town was trying to convince them not to go to the soothsayer, saying it was far too dangerous. Tatiana must have noticed June's concern. It'll be all right, June, said Tatiana. Their fear of this soothsayer is justified. Everything we know tells us that she is powerful and evil, but she needs to help others. It's the only way she can get rid of her curses. But what about those curses, Tatiana? asked June. I can't go back home cursed with antlers or, or hooves or poisoned blood. None of us has ever met the soothsayer before, said Tatiana. We don't exactly know what will happen, but let's not waste our energy worrying about it. We will deal with it as it comes. For now, let's enjoy our dinner. Tomorrow we'll face it and figure it out. No matter what, we will get you home. June nodded and went back to her dinner. Tatiana was right. This journey could go a lot of ways, but there was no use worrying about it now. June ate her fill and got lots of rest in preparation for her visit to the soothsayer. The end. Thanks for listening, friends. The website is goofballfarts.com. The email is at gmail.com. And you can find a boatload more stories at patreon.com forward slash kidstoriespodcast. Adios.